Hey folks, I'm Tom. And I'm Vince. Welcome to Friday Night Beers, a show where two guys who know too much about pop culture and not enough about beer try some beers and explain them in a way that you may understand. But that you probably won't. And it'll only make sense to us. Either way, we hope you'll be entertained. Vince, we've been doing this show for a long time. You know, some people would say that we're, we're pretty good friends. Some people would say I, that. I would say that as well. Many people are saying that. Some people might say that you and I ride or die for one another. Wow. Some people might say that. If it comes to it, Tom, I don't know if I'm going to die. I'll ride with you, but I don't know well, if I'm going to die. Well, I, I don't want to choose between one of us dying. but I don't either. I feel but like... if I have to choose, <laughs> I hope it's not me. Okay. Well, I'll take one for the team. What? You can't ride or die. You can't ride or die after I said I'll ride or nope, die. I said it. No, no, no. I'm We're all riding or dying. It's too late now. It's too late. I'm doing it. All this talk about riding and death. Why are we doing this, Vince? What are we in the G unit? <laughs> oh, G G G unit. Fifties. <laughs> We're gonna get him on the show, Vince. What's the name of the beer? <laughs> Sorry, the name of the beer is Ride or Die. It is a pale ale from Hopewell Brewing, which is here in Chicago. That's right. About 5.5%. So as far as we're talking about for a pale ale here, could be pretty crushable. And the description is as such. A pale ale you can depend on. A bona fide fridge staple. Bright neon flavors of grapefruit and pine. You know I like that description. Give way to a pleasantly soft malt base and a quick slice of balancing bitterness. Reliably tasty without a fuss. Sounds like a baby going down for a nap. (laughs) Just very pleasant for a couple hours. Yeah, but now, Tom, I, I, I understand that Hopewell holds a special place in your heart. It does. Uh, if you'll allow me to go down memory lane, the the year was 2016. Yeah, we'll go. I'll drive. Yeah, <laughs> the year was 2016. you can ride and die. <laughs> I will so be rich. riding and dying. Somehow you're going to escape. We're both going to ride or die, okay? <laughs> um, the year is 2016. It was the spring. Prince had just died, and I had just moved to Chicago for the first time. I thought you were going to say, and I was a <laughs> Now I was riding. <laughs> Uh, so I moved to I moved to Logan Square with two of my good buds, uh, Jordan and Kevin. And the first place that we got a beer after we moved in was at Hopewell Brewing, which had just opened the same month that we had moved to Logan Square wow. for the very first time. And we went there. Uh, we went there a lot, and we kind of felt like we were growing up with this brewery. And at the time. I was still pretty new to living in the city, and Logan Square was sort of just on the come up. It was a it was a rising neighborhood. It's been a rising neighborhood for about ten years. It now. has, yeah. And I felt like I was part of a, a special wave. And and you know, frankly, I think the people that open this place feel similarly. They are all from Chicago. They're they were founded by three people: Samantha Lee, Stephen uh, Basu, and Jonathan Fritz. And, you know, you've heard a similar story like this before, but we're going to tell it again because it's just the truth. They all, you know, working in a different career path. Uh, A few of them actually lived in Portland, Oregon, and then Brooklyn for nonprofits. And they just decided that they'd had enough and it was time for them to to come home. Profit. Yeah. (laughs) Off some beer. 
and see how that was going to ride or die. So, yeah. Um, Jam it in there. The point being is uh, I have a very specific and nostalgic relationship to this place, and I'm really happy to see the growth that they've made in the last six years. They're definitely like a, a mainstay in the Chicago scene, but I've seen it all over town. It used to be that like you could literally only get it at this one you know, sort of niche location in Logan Square. And I, I've had this before, but it's been a while, and I feel like I'm about to be, you know, transported down memory lane once again. Without further ado, let's crack it and send you in the teleporter. Right. And then we can start talking about my favorite things about hipsters. Cheers, Vince. Cheers, Tom. Now, Vince, you've uh, you've never had this beer, nor have you been to Hopewell. I've never had it, nor have I been to Hopewell. Uh, for those of you who live in Chicago, you know that... I, well, you don't know, but I live on the side over toward the lake, and it is not the easiest thing to do to travel between the lake and Logan Square. This is the biggest uh, gripe people have about Logan Square is that they they all say it's quote unquote too far away. Well, it's and hard to I get didn't to. I didn't believe it until I left, and then I was like, oh, you know what? This actually is kind of a pain. In the and ass. you know what? You're not even like you're 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 still pretty far away <laughs> for me to be perfectly honest. I am, like, but is. for somehow it's a lot more palatable to get here than definitely. it was there. Yeah, it definitely is. So I don't feel terrible about not, you know, but having that. This is a good scent, and it's piney, right? Yep, yeah, it's piney. Grapefruit is sort of part of it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I remember. I remember having this now. That's a good. It's a good pale ale. It's got a strange, strange lingering aftertaste for me. It is a little piney in the aftertaste, huh? I don't know if pine is the right word. I'm gonna have another sip here. You know, the term pale ale is sort of misleading. It makes it seem like there's almost nothing in it, but it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> the, it was a one-time thing. The rich, the rich ingredients kind of pop off this one immediately yeah yeah i like the scent no it's back it's back yeah. it's just it's after it's after it dissipates a little bit it's right. um it's it's not my favorite taste right there on the way down gorgeous yeah and it's almost like to be honest it's like uh drinking this i would imagine i've never robbed a bank but i would imagine it's like robbing a bank as a catholic okay like whoa you're in the moment and you're doing it and you feel great and then you do it and you, they're like Oh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Do oh, you think that Catholics oh are the only people that experience guilt? <laughs> They're the most famous for it. <laughs> that is their calling card, amongst famous. other things. I don't know. They, I, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Don't, don't make a, a movie about bank robbing Catholics. Yeah, okay. Listen, there. I believe there is a movie called Guilt. No, I'm thinking of Doubt. Never mind. Yeah, that's Never mind. not about bank robbers either. <laughs> it's not, but I mean... Do you like, think, was Ben Affleck Catholic in the town? Yes. He didn't seem to feel too much remorse. What are you talking about? He felt terrible. He kept trying to get out of it. He didn't go to church, though. I'll give him that. So maybe that's his shield. Uh, Jem definitely had no remorse whatsoever, but he was in prison. So. Yeah, that's true. Do you think Do you think that prison just absolutely saps your remorse? Um, I Based think it depends on the solely crime. on the entertainment properties you've seen that involve prison. Not on realistic stuff. I've seen Don't do that. <laughs> I've, have you seen a movie called Shot Caller? No, it honestly, it sounds like one of those uh, vehicles for a rapper who wants to turn into a movie star. That's fair, but this is actually a movie uh, starring Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones. 
Oh, really? And he he gets a he gets sentenced for a white collar crime. He's like a goody two shoes regular business guy, and for some reason he gets thrown into a maximum security prison. And to survive, he adopts a hardened persona. And ends up becoming the leader of a white Nazi gang inside of the jail. It's like a complete transformation. How do you like? How does he get out? Do we actually? I don't care about him so, getting that. I want to see him come back from that. So he he does eventually get out of prison, but he doesn't drop the act. Like it's basically like I'm I'm committed to. Yeah. This. How do you? I, how can you do right? That? But it's just like it's a fascinating transformation so to to answer your question i guess some people there's no turning back but i do want to scale it back to something else for a second so you know i like to have a little bit of playful fun with with hipster culture because i lived in logan square for a while yeah um and i recently had to think about this again when i watched the french dispatch have you seen this yet that's another wes anderson movie yeah so I guess, larger question, how do you feel about Wes Anderson in general? I enjoy his movies. I think he reuses the same guys all the time, which, fine, not a That's big deal. blatantly obvious, yeah. yeah. I mean, he does that. And a, lot of think, act, a lot of directors do that, though. I think his style is it's very unique and it's very good. But overall, I just like, I just, to your point here, I cannot think of a director or honestly a style that more lends itself to hipsters who by the way don't like anything that's cool thinking oh that's so cool look at the way he does this it's so different it's not different at all in fact he's using the same people and he's telling the same story over and over 15 million different ways so my thing with him is he's completely an acquired taste like either it's lined up with your sensibility or you're like, this is some of the weirdest shit I've ever seen or I don't get the jokes. Like one example that I think is probably his most beloved movie is the Royal Tenenbaums, which is a movie I really like. And I think it balances a lot of the stuff he does well, but everything he does is like meticulously crafted. It's like detailed, you know, to the nth degree it reads like a novel. Like there's all these little like cute camera tricks, and people are just a little too like twee with one another. And sometimes like it works really well with like Royal Tenenbaums or like one of my other favorites is Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. But about halfway through the French Dispatch, I was like, this is one of the most pretentious things I've ever seen in my life. That, that's Wes Anderson. Yeah. The best description that I can I can give for Wes Anderson is like, imagine if uh, Arrested Development did not have Michael, Michael Bluth in it. <laughs> it's a bunch of people who think they're way better than they actually are, and there's no person to break that illusion. There's no person to break that illusion. There's just this knowledge that you have as a moviegoer yeah. that says... This is ridiculous. You have to have that. Whereas in Arrested Development, part of the comedy is derived from seemingly the only sane person in that family trying to pull everybody out of their own delusion. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Although it would be hard to imagine Buster Bluth in a 
Wes Anderson movie. I agree. So um, I think I think to fine tune that even more, the thing about hipster culture that is so ironic is they don't even they don't even see their own irony. Like it's basically we have to not like everything. Like everything's uncool except for like the ironically cool things that we do choose to like. You know, and. That's pretty much what happened to Malort. Like, the story of Malort's success was that hipsters are like, this is so terrible, we like it, and then it just exploded across Chicago. I'll I'll say something to that effect, because Malort is objectively not good, but it's an acquired taste. At some point, it becomes less not good. It becomes okay. You start to feel it. But only after like, you have like 20 of them you, over the course of Your life. lifetime. Yeah. Yes, of course. I've had many more than 20 of those, so I'm fine with it. But to me, it's, yeah. a, little bit, it's a little bit better than a Jameson shot, which is, you know, a little rich for me. And then you're also looking at maybe like a, a fireball. Remember when that was all the rage? And that was oh, way yeah. better. I'd rather have that than anything. But to bring it back to this, ride or die. This can has a very California feel to it, and yet the taste to me is like Pacific Northwest, which I, I think ironically ties into Wes Anderson. I get a very Pacific Northwest vibe for somebody who went to school in Texas. Yeah, and who is best friends with Owen Wilson, who feels like the most California guy ever, even though he's a Texas So native. strange. Yeah. So strange. And I think overall this taste to me... Is like I've heard magnificent things about the Pacific Northwest, and yet some of the movies that are set there are just so bleedingly average, and they really lean heavily on the sheer beauty to make the movie even palatable. Yeah. I'll go ahead and start. With oh I don't know let's say any of the Twilight movies have you seen any of those Tom? <laughs> uh, regretfully I, I saw one on a date in high school yeah they're they're embarrassingly bad which is the truth I've seen them all at this point I've seen them all not a, not ashamed to admit it and you know what I came away thinking wow Washington's beautiful <laughs> or uh, Oregon or where I don't know if, it is I don't know it's if, all the same I don't know if the Pacific Northwest wants to be directly associated with Twilight but well it I, is I do know. That we're gonna try this beer out of the glass and see how we feel about it. And I want to chime in quickly on your on your Pack Northwest because I do think there's a movie that would tie in well in a positive way hmm. that's not Wes Anderson based. Sure. And we'll be right back after this. We're just kidding. There's no advertisements. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, let me give this a, a try out of the glass. I like it better out of the glass. I just had a sip. It's a, the flavor comes out a little more. Yeah. So, I agree with you that the Pack Northwest is known for its beautiful aesthetic, its forestry, and its na- uh, nature elements. It's also hipster central. It is also hipster central, but there is one pure non-hipster, iconic pop culture thing that's from that place. It's the grunge. Goonies. Oh, I thought you were gonna say grunge. grunge. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I, don't, I guess this grunge hipster. I always thought grunge was more like rock and roll type. I don't. Stuff. I think grunge is too popular to be considered hipster now. Okay, but no, the Goonies. You've seen the Goonies, of I course. Presume. Yeah, Josh so, Brolin's in it. And Steven Spielberg directed it. It's a bunch of kids who are up to no good. They look for buried treasure. 
And they find it. And it was filmed in Astoria, Oregon. When I was out there, I, I wanted to take a trip to Astoria, but it, it didn't work out because it's it's literally on like the coast of Oregon. It's far away. It's a town of like 10,000 people. But the Goonies house is the number one attraction of the town. Okay. And there's people that come. And like I always think about the the scenery of that movie as like an indelible part of the story because like these kids obviously like they don't have a lot of supervision but like they literally get lost right they get they're looking for this treasure and they're like lost in the forest and they're underground in these caverns it's it's sort of like the ultimate like child fantasy if you will you know yeah which is weird because like now as adults my fantasies are me safe and out of danger, you know? I, right. As a Not child, my fantasy out. was like, let me strap a rocket to my back and then point myself at a brick wall. I think it'll work out. <laughs> and I think this movie, this movie has been riffed on and, and commented on in so many different ways. Like the Fratellis are also a band now who sing the Blackhawks goal song. Okay. And, you know, Josh Brolin was a teenager in this movie. Which is just kind of goes uncommented on. You know what? You want to talk about like the coolest actors of all time? He's up there. He's got to be up so there. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Sean Astin as well, who went on to become you know the legendary Samwise. <laughs> Rudy. 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 Rudy and Samwise. You five foot nothing. You can't even protect yeah. Mr. Frodo. I actually do think this ties into the story of Hopewell because like Hopewell, yes, it's sort of like a hipster leaning thing, but like the root. The root feeling I get at that place is just like genuine joy and like passion Good. for what for what they do. And like that's how I feel every time I watch The Goonies. It's just like a really sweet, fun story about people who like love each other. It's a love letter to to childhood mischief and the outdoors. Yeah. In the same way as Stand By Me. Yeah, just a little more funny and with Yeah, Stand By a, Me. Gets a, a twinge dark. more Cindy Lauper. A twinge. Just a twinge. <laughs> just a twinge. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this, Tom. You're making a movie, okay? Let's say it's a. What, what kind of movie would you like to make? I'd like to make a comedy. It's. You'd some like point. to make a comedy. Yeah. Okay. It's a cold psychological thriller comedy. Oh, it's so tough it's a genre. toughie. Where are you setting this bad boy? Where are you setting it? Where are you filming? I mean, it? you're allowed to film it in the place you set it. Yeah. Well, if I've got an unlimited budget. It's an unlimited budget. I'm thinking the Pack Northwest would be a good setting for that, just with the the ominous fog, good dark palette colors. Yep. But then all of a sudden Seth Rogen just shows up, and you're like, "What the <laughs> oh, shit, guys? Somebody got murdered in this town." That's good stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Now let me take something away from this. Okay. And let me say that it's a light and Happy romantic comedy. Where are you setting that? Oh, yeah. I don't think I could do it in the Pac Northwest. Yeah. I think the Pacific Northwest just has those tones of mystery and like almost horror. Like something can go wrong. Something will go wrong. Yeah. Which is fascinating. Not that I don't know. I don't mean to relate that aspect of it to Hopewell because I have had many of their beers and I think it's very good. But what I think is happening to me in this with this beer right here specifically is 
it's leaning a little on the pale ale to pull it through, much in the way that a lot of movies lean on the Pacific Northwest, rather than actually like doing a good job yeah. of like with cinematography to set the stage. Like you could do a psychological thriller in the middle of Detroit, sure, directly, but it takes work, and a lot of that work is done with the Pacific Northwest setting. So I, that's kind of what I, I think it's for me. It's leaning a little on pale ale to get it through and get it all the way across. Also, I'm really thinking Pacific Northwest because the pine is so forward. I, I'm ready to, to throw a rating on this. Okay. If it makes sense. Let's hear it. I'm ready to put it at a solid three out of five Vinces. Three Vinces out of five Vinces, right in the middle. You know, as far as like pale ales I've had, I've definitely had ones that were more for me. This one I like, and it's right in the middle. And I think it's just carried by, wow, oh, you like pale ales, remember? A little bit. You know? Yeah, I think we're on different planes with this because it's really hard for me to have an objective opinion of this beer because yeah. I've had it a lot and I, th- I'm like the children in the Goonies. I'm just transported to like a new realm when I think about Hopewell products. Yeah, and it reminds me of a very fond time in my life. So I don't think I could give this anything lower than a four for that reason alone. Sure. And I know that there are some people that when they watch Wes Anderson movies, they feel that sort of like attachment to, you know, his types of stories. And I would also argue that the what you're saying about the pale ale driving this forward, that's exactly what Wes Anderson does by bringing in his buddies yeah, to you're be right. on his cast every movie. And you know what? It works. Right. It's great. Uh, you know, uh, whether or not it's always going to blow you away or not, you're like... Okay, this is something I'm very familiar with, and I like these people. And I've had phenomenal beers by Hopewell. Yeah, phenomenal. They do amazing work. I, it's just gonna—it's always gonna be tough to compete in the pale ale area. It is. It's, a competitive it's always get, like place. it's very yeah. competitive, and it's hard to to hear or to stay. Um, but I've definitely had somebody say, "Yeah, I've had a pale ale before," and it's like, "Well, you haven't had all of them." Well, no, I don't need to because I've yeah. had a pale ale. And I think that's that's incorrect and a bad way to go about it. But I think there are divisions of it. And there's a certain currency that you get just by having paid out. I'm going to pick it out. And I'm going to have it. Because I know I'm not going to hate it. Yeah. And that's where we are here. I think that's great. And uh, I hope you all enjoyed this episode very well. Couldn't have said very much and left well for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vince, I am dying in this scenario or riding. We're both it's riding and we're both dying, okay? We haven't figured out the logistics this of this. This is Pac and Biggie. <laughs> oh, man. I should have saved that for a different recording, but. <laughs> Pac and Biggie? I, I, thought I, about, I said it. I thought about I had a Tupac joke. Oh, no. I, it was this episode. Tupac has a song called Ride or Die. Do you want to ride or die? La da 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 da. Come Did you with already me. make this joke on this episode and we forgot? <laughs> I thought I was transported somewhere else at the very end. Listen, I love, I love, I love, I love, I love the fact that you go somewhere special with Hopewell, and I, yeah. I hope that that I get there with a specific brewery um, at some point in my life because I think it's very special and I again it's been really cool like you said to watch them grow yeah. I've missed that portion of it they just showed up in, in bottle shops across the city and so I know Hopewell and I'm like Hopewell's a big deal they're good stuff so I know every time I get a Hopewell beer whether I like it or not I know it's quality crafted and I know that 
I'm getting a good beer, so I, maybe I just don't love that style. That's fair, and I, I can't I can't add anything to that. So I you think don't we should just, I think we should just wrap it up here. Let's do it. This has been Friday Night Beers. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show on Apple and Spotify, wherever you get your shows. We do read reviews, by the way. It's been a while. Once in a while, we're ready to read again. We are. Apparently, Tom, you can rate individual episodes. Oh, I didn't. Spotify. I didn't know that. I'm unsure if it's super true because it's coming from my mom, who initially rated and said, "Thank you for the video. Thank you, Tom. It was so easy. I rated the podcast five stars, and then said." I think there's something wrong. I can't rate any higher than four stars, which is the most mom thing I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, I won't comment on the veracity of that because I, I don't know. I don't either, but th- the point check is, it out. Please subscribe to our, our stuff and also follow us on social media. But until next time, I'm Tom. I'm Vince. This has been Friday Night Beers where we have clear eyes, full cans, must booze. We'll see you later. <laughs>